At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Eve Sibley to talk about recording the farm's activities. Eve is a creative who studied painting in school, but it was her passion for activism which led her into gardening and farming. In 2006, when she turned 30, she left New York City and moved to a farm to clarify where she wanted to focus her activism energy. She became interested in gardening as a solution to many of the world's ails and immediately learned square foot gardening. How cool is that? Eve has spent years setting up innovative gardens, mostly vertical, for different organizations in her travels through the U.S., Costa Rica, and India. She came to believe internet technology would be utilized to help more people with their growing projects, and during her travels used her computer skills on attempts to find ways to connect and help gardeners around the world. Through her gardening work and by volunteering at various farms, Eve recently found a need for improving garden record keeping, and she set out to build that app. The Farm Follow app is available in app stores, and this is the first real season it is in use, and Eve is going to tell us all about it. Welcome to the show today, Eve. Thank you, Greg. So nice to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? 
you gave a pretty good overarching view of of the meandering path I took to get here. Yeah, well, basically, I had gotten into activism in my late 20s, Mm -hmm. and then there was this moment, I think I was actually working on the Obama campaign at the time, Mm. and I heard somewhere that the average American meal traveled 1,500 miles (laughs) to get to the table. Oh, yeah, food miles. Yep. Yeah, the food miles thing. And then I, at the same time, there was this food crisis and people in Haiti were eating dirt and they didn't have any food. And my parents grew up, I mean, I, my, my parents live on that same island in the Dominican Republic where there's abundant food. So there was no reason why food couldn't be grown there. Uh-huh. So it was just kind of this moment where I was like, wait, why don't people just grow their own food? Of course, everybody <laughs> should just grow their own right, food. Right, exactly. And so I kind of decided to get into that as my focus for activism, basically. Mm-hmm. So it was actually less of a, a passion for the plant as it was for a passion for the, the planet. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, I so let's rewind back to 1991. I'm having a conversation with this friend of mine who had just gotten back from the South Pacific. He was on a sailboat for three weeks, and they landed at this island, anchored, and went in on this little island looking for a grocery store. And the people that were living on the island, they went and asked, where's the grocery store at? And they kind of laughed at him and said, go pick your own. So that was, that nice. was yeah, that was my moment of like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's that easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where did you go from there? So from there. So, so then I had just left New York City and uh-huh. I moved to an old family farm that was actually being utilized by a young couple and they were growing, they had an organic farm and there was another house on the property and I was living in it and kind of volunteering for them a little bit, but also trying to teach myself square foot gardening because I was interested in growing food in small spaces. Right. And I wanted, and I, my idea was to travel the world and plant small food gardens. And then I, I I actually, I chose, (laughs) this is kind of funny, but to some people, but I was really into astrology at the time, and I chose mm-hmm. what would what would be my most astrologically, supposedly my most astrologically effective place on the planet to go, and which whoa, was whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> really, yeah. Oh my god. Which was which was in Niger, in Naimi, Niger, and so I was like, I'm going to go there, and I had actually I had been to near there. I had been to Mali before to a music festival in the Sahara Desert. So I was I was psyched. I, I needed to learn French. I started learning French with Pimsleur and I was like in touch with the Square Foot Gardening Foundation and they sent me a whole bunch of stuff that they had made about that someone had taught Square Foot Gardening in Kenya oh, and wow. had, had made like a kind of a, a book, a hand-drawn book that didn't need words to teach people how to do gardens. So right. they were going to support me with that. And then a, a terrible war broke out there, and I was mm. like, what am I doing? I'm just like some random person traveling to a country where I know no one, and I'm going to see if someone needs a garden. Yeah. So I, I realized that like this was completely ineffective and silly. Even though I wanted the adventure, uh-huh. I wasn't ready to go to a, a, a real war-torn country. It wasn't. I, I wasn't going to be offering much. So at that point, I, I realized that technology was probably the way to go. So I set out to build a website that would offer information for people on how to grow food and um, and connect people that are already growing food to share information. And that was called World Food Garden. Oh, wow. Um, and it got, I had a little bit of money at the time, mm-hmm. and I put it all towards that. The website got a few thousand users immediately, and, um, and it became pretty popular, but I wasn't actually, it wasn't very productive. Like, it was mm. kind of, 
it was riding the tide of this like new trend of growing food at home, yep. but it didn't really have much of a point except for social networking, but there were better social networks out there. Right. That, so, so, and also I knew nothing about tech and totally blew my money. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that, that kind of went on for a while. And at the same time I had started building gardens and having come from a painting background, I got into vertical gardens and I started building different vertical gardens for different organizations where I would mostly exchange room and board for, um, Oh yeah. Woofing. Well, it was kind of like woofing except that I would be the only gardener building a a garden on, on a wall rather than working on someone's farm. Right. So it was for like, I worked, like I built a a garden in San Francisco for a couchsurfing.com their, their organization, they oh. had like 30 people living in one building and I was their gardener. <laughs> so ah. it was kind of like, yeah, it was super fun. And um, they just wanted, so like I built a, a wall of salad to, uh-huh. to grow mostly salad greens for the community. And, um, and then another one for a, a yoga center in Costa Rica. And then I got asked to go to India to build a, a large vertical garden in Bangalore on this three-story building. So it kind of took me on an adventure of of building gardens, and at the meantime, in the same time, I was trying to work on this, this, this website, uh-huh. World Food Garden, and kind of get it going. And it, it kind of flopped. In the end, it was, it was, there was someone actually interested in it from CNN, and they wanted to do a story, but uh-huh. they, they were like, it, it's a little bit too slow. Can you just have your web person speed it up? So <laughs> that, <laughs> it, the, the thing with the website was. I had come from this creative background, so Uh I had all of these ideas, these huge ideas, like I wanted to use all the weather data in the world and allocate each one to a latitude-longitude point, and then you just press your point on the map, and it tells you exactly what you can grow and exactly when you should plant it, and I took all of the plant data, and there was this huge data set, so it was a really cool idea, but like, I didn't have enough resources to hire specialists to deal with, to do this right. And it ended up just being kind of a slow site that, that I mean, I, I found a great, nice programmer, but it just wasn't, um, it wasn't CNN material. Yeah. So, so after she asked me to speed it up, and then I went on this long journey to have it rebuilt after some other people gave me some advice on that. And then, but I, that was with no money, so it was a lot of volunteers, and mm. and that just it just went on and on and on, and then then finally. Finally, in the end, I I was holding a newborn baby, and I was like, "All right, I guess I should just kill this site because yeah. I don't have the money for it." And then I can't. And then it was, you know, by then it was 2014, mm-hmm. and everybody needed apps. Everybody had apps. Right. There was like websites were almost obsolete when it came to being functional. And I realized that that site didn't really do anything for people. Yeah. It, it was just this social thing. And I was volunteering on a farm in New York City that this really amazing rooftop farm in New York City that's two and a half acres on, up on a rooftop. Ooh, which one? And um, it was called Brooklyn Grange. Oh, yes, of and, course. Uh-huh. Oh, it's such an amazing place. You're up there like with these like deep soil and uh-huh. row crops and then and butterflies. And then you look up and there's the skyline of Manhattan. It's just like such – and you like I would say bye to my little baby and get on the bus and ride to a big building and go up an elevator and be on this farm. It was so cool. <laughs> but, cool. Um, yeah, it was awesome. But so at that time, I realized really they were they're amazing because they grow for these top chefs and they oh, have of to course. as soon as they pull up a, a crop, they plant it within the hour. Like it's so efficient. Wow. So I got to see kind of how how the record keeping process went as well, like how they keep track of these things that they're doing really fast. And 
that's kind of when I came up with this idea for this app. And so I basically created this app based on what Brooklyn Grange needed. Mm. And, um, and, and I, at the time also there had just come out with these things that you can build your own app without knowing code. And so I was oh. like, you know what, this is it. I'll do it myself. So that's what happened. And you built it so, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It was, oh. it took a lot of logic and it took me a long yeah. time to do, but I did it myself and cool. so that was a proud moment. It's actually oh, in stores sure. and it works. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. So this is a garden planning app. So let's start with why do you think garden planning is such an important task? Well, it's it's garden planning, but it's mostly garden record keeping. So it's planning in the way that you go in and you select from a long list any crops that you might want to grow. Mm -hmm. And then there's your crop list. And then you go in and you put in your beds, like you name your beds. Mm -hmm. And then, and then from there, it's basically you create tasks for yourself, and then every time you check off a task, it becomes a record. So, so when I, so it's in some way, yeah, it's planning, it's planning for the day, it's planning for the week. So it is a garden planning app. But yeah, I was thinking more of a record keeping app because in the end, you have records, and the reason records are good is because you can see exactly what was planted in this bed three years ago or or, or just last year and see how plants interact with each other you know maybe you're not supposed to plant this plant the year after you planted that plant mm -hmm. or why is this bed doing better this year you can compare you can compare notes and you have it all in the palm of your hand oh, to know exactly great. what your garden is like so it really becomes a cumulative garden success or failure measuring reference stick guide. reference yeah <laughs> there you go yeah yeah yeah, it's like your personal handheld reference to your your farm or garden. Uh -huh. Yeah, of, of its history and and what you might want to do there later. So it's like a it's a to do list and all the history list. And the history that's so incredibly yeah. important. Absolutely. So what kind of information are you tracking? So it's it's all of the kind of basic farming activities. You know your. It's just it revolves around one page. First, you go in when you're online. Mm -hmm. It works online and offline. But when you're online, you go in, you join, you add your garden, and then you select all the crops you might want to grow or mm -hmm. that you are growing, and then you and then you name all your beds. And it's important to name all of your beds, just you know, like A, B, C, D, E, or field one, field two, whatever it is. Oh my gosh, we um, got to do just better to than keep that. track of what's where. We, we, this has got to <laughs> yeah. be you know the the garden beds here at the urban farm are the shower garden bed. That's the one that surrounds our outdoor shower. There's the kitchen garden. Nice. Right? Yeah. yeah. So we've we've named them. So everybody listening out there, name your beds. Don't call them A, B, and C. <laughs> yeah. Personalize yeah. it. Yeah. Right. I exactly. mean whatever works. Yeah, whatever works. I mean on that on that rooftop it was like with it was like West Wing one one through twenty eight. Like you know, because it was a, a flat gridded uh -huh. system and so so that's where where i get the one two three but yeah i mean in real life when it's home gardens it's going to be like your the alcove under the tree or whatever but right. um exactly yeah yeah but yeah so then so then once you do that then it just becomes super easy you just open you open the app you go to your garden you press the task records page mm -hmm. and then a page comes up where it has the date which you can change easily you select the crop from the list that you've already created. You select the, the bed from the list you've already created. And then you select a list of activities. And that's planting, transplanting, um, harvest, collecting seeds, enhancement, some kind of fertility like amendment, 
Right. There's one for observation, just like if you or, or pest disease, like if you need to take a picture of like something that's going on, you just want to keep a track of what oh. that pest was or what if that leaves turning brown, you want to see what what it was doing last week. It's a good wow. way to kind of keep track of what's going on. Snap a picture. You can snap a picture like when you're plant like in all of these these activities with each of them. There's also like a room. There's a space for how much how much fertility i mean how much amendment did you add how mm-hmm. many seeds did you plant how much mm-hmm. harvest was there this time and also there's a there's the picture you can utilize your phone on your camera to also just take pictures of your seeds or the amendment so you don't have to right. write down everything yeah and then this can also be used for for gaps the new good agricultural handling um oh yes yes practices yes. gip gap the gip gap training so it's yeah. Except, oh, Because so, wow. it's a really easy way to just keep track of all these things that they now require. Right. You can just take pictures. Like, was this part area of the sink cleaned afterward? Just snap a photo. Like, yeah. all of this stuff can be can be documented really easily in this format. And then there's it's multi-farmer, so each farm can have many farmhands using it, and each one can take records for the same farm, but it'll have their name on it, so it gives accountability for who did what. Right. And in that way, you could also task out to your volunteers or your co-farmers. These things need to be done, and then this person will go in and do them and then check them off, and they become a record. So it's just a really easy way to do it as you go along while you're farming. And because that's what I found. So so when I when I was working at Brooklyn or when I was volunteering at Brooklyn Grange, I based this idea on what they what they needed. But right. then I also was like, all right, if I'm going to dedicate more time to one of these tech farm ideas after all of the like time and money I kind of threw away on World Food Garden, and I really want to do it, but if I'm going to do it, I have to do it right. So I I sent out a survey of exactly what I thought the app should be to mm. a thousand organic farmers in the U.S. Oh and wow! A, a couple, and a couple hundred wrote back. And they, and oh, the, nice. they, yeah, and they liked it. They, they wanted to do it. The main, there were two, two concerns, but, and of course there were a few that were like, no, I don't, I'm tech, I'll, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be part of the tech world. You know, there was, yeah. you know, there's a couple of that, but that's fine. And, um, but then the only concerns by all the people who were into it were one, I don't want to get my phone dirty. And oh, two, yes, of course. Right. Good one. And, um, and two, I don't want to share my secrets, like which varieties I'm using. Because oh, right. like some people, if they've established themselves at their market, because they have a kind of a special variety, yep. they don't want everyone to know. So I've made varieties like optional to be private, but everything else is, is public. And then, Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. so once okay, I sign ahead. up for Farm Follow, basically my records are available for everybody else to see? Yes. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm glad that's your reaction. <laughs> well, no, it, it really gives us an opportunity to share our successes and our failures. We're going to talk about failures here in a minute, but it, it with other people so that they can also be successful at growing stuff. So that that's epic. That's cool. That's Yeah, that's the idea mm-hmm. that eventually if enough people are using it, there's enough data in there where people can, they can be like, because there's a section that's my farm and then there's a, a search farms and that's everyone else's records. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is like, what is this weird pest? And then you would be able to look up pests in your neighborhood if everyone's oh, using right. it, you know, and mm-hmm. see these guys treated this pest with this, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's about information sharing and then, or, or maybe newbies can say, okay, what are my local farmers planting right. when and, and kind of copy them and, and that's where people were, a, a couple of people were worried about, you know, not, most people weren't worried about 
about um, sharing their varieties, mm -hmm. but there were a couple. Yeah, all right, so cool. that's, so that's where they can keep, yeah, varieties private. But yeah, the idea is, is information sharing. So first, number one, it's for farmers to have an easy way to keep records. And then number two, it's maybe that data can be useful to other people to right. help the, the movement. Cool. So, all right, let's go to the dirty phone question. What did you do to solve that? <laughs> I, and, okay. and, and asking that, I actually take my phone out to the farm all the time and I'm taking pictures and so. Okay, cool. So. Yeah. Um, well, I found these phone packets. Uh, I mean, these phone pouches that are waterproof. Oh. Yeah. And I had our logo kind of put on them and I was, we, I went, my son and I, part of the reason, well, the summer we ended up going on this road trip, living in our Honda Element and going up um, Highway 1 and stopping at farmer's markets like every two hours in California because there's farmer's markets everywhere. And it was so awesome. And, and just handing out these packets to farmers just to let them, just to tell them about the app. You know, it was a little promo deal with a free nice. water pouch. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I mean, so there's, 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 there's waterproof pouches that you yeah. can put your phone in. Exactly. And yeah, that's the solution to that. Yeah. Get over it. Take your phone out to the garden. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of a response are you getting from the growing community? Well, it's okay so far. It's, uh, I think we have around 400 downloads. So, you know, this is the first real season that mm -hmm. I'm pushing it out there as a usable app. And people seem to be excited about it. The few, there's, there's 400 downloads. I think only 200 people have actually added their farm and started, mm -hmm. you know, moving forward with it. But there's, uh, I mean, I won't, I won't lie. There were a couple of hangups and a couple of bugs that had to be sorted out. And welcome in the last to technology. Yeah. 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 But, um, those seem to be sorted out and I am really dedicated to this right now. So I'm pretty quick at responding to, to, as a customer service to anyone who has an issue. So, nice. um, so my main goal, yeah, my goal right now is to, to just focus on getting this thing working for people and yeah. figure out exactly what they want. And because I, I built it myself on this platform, this is kind of the, the test year to figure out exactly what people want. And then if it's working, then I can hire someone to build it to suit. So it's not on not a platform. A, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is kind of the figure That's, out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's what we do as, as entrepreneurs. We do a little bit of testing and then improve and do a little bit of testing, improve. So you're on a great page there. Go for it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. So what platforms is it available on? Oh, it's on. Um, I mean, you can download it from the from iTunes and from Google Play. Oh, very good. Very good. So it's available on uh, uh, the iPhones and the Androids. Yeah. Cool. So what does the new app offer backyard gardeners or is there a farm size that you would recommend? No, there's no farm size. I mean, it's, it has the capacity to be really huge farms cause you could do lots of fields with beds within ah, fields. Nice. But I imagine that most of it will be one or two fields and mm -hmm. beds in that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm more interested in small sustainable farms. That's what I would most like to promote and help. Mm -hmm. So but anyone could really use it. Awesome. Awesome. And how do you see this app evolving over time? Well, okay. As, as I said, this is the first version of it. And I'm want, I'm interested this season in getting the most farmer feedback as I can, and then mm -hmm. kind of curtail it to, to what people are interested. Um, I could see potentially if farmers 
some my my aunt is a farmer in Oregon, and she says I have to have voice activation. She doesn't want to deal with pressing any button. She just oh, right. wants to talk into it. Yep, exactly. So that that if other farmers are interested in that, that could be implemented. And then GPS, as that gets more accurate, we could probably. Oh. You know, things could be really cool, like press a button, like here I am, and this is what I'm doing. You know, things are amazing with tech. So Mm -hmm. right now, I think GPS is still a few meters off, so we we don't want to mess with it yet. (laughs) Right, exactly. um, Yeah. Yeah, basically, so right now, yeah, I just want to see what farmers want. And then once there's enough people using it, enough farmers are really getting use out of it, and the records start to grow, then that can be a whole other section of helping new users figure out what to do. and what's what people are doing near me and have have kind of pushed that out to help people help use that data to help other people grow food and then finally if once the business is going well this is like a far vision but because i lived in india for seven years Uh and i i heard some pretty terrible stories about what has happened with indian farmers in the last Mm. 30 years since the supposed green revolution yep i would love to make a version of the app that helped indian farmers the uh, most of indian farmers are or, or many of them are, are illiterate. So I would like to make something that was just picture based yeah. and um and could be useful because everyone had, out there they still they have cell phones now, but they might not know how to read and write. Mm-hmm. So, but that's kind of long term, long range. I have to get a successful business going first. Right, exactly. So how how given I'm an entrepreneur, I've been an entrepreneur for forty plus years. How are you monetizing this? So the app is actually free to download and use and check out all you want. But if you want to keep a hard copy of your records, mm-hmm. which most pros are going to want to do, yeah. then it's $25 a year, $24.99. Oh, more than reasonable. Which is, yeah, right? I think exactly, so. exactly. And everybody listening out there, go download the app and pay Eve the $25 because yes. this, is an, this is an epic project that needs to continue forward. So <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Okay, that is definitely the the World Food Garden project that I spent oh, yes. mm-hmm. about a decade and all of my money on. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just I had way too many big ideas that I threw all of this into this, something that I had never had no, no knowledge about, which was tech. I came from an abstract painting background. I couldn't right. even have a conversation with real coders because they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. We just couldn't even communicate with each other. So yeah, it, it, I learned don't jump into things without testing it a little bit. Mm. Don't, you need, you need other people's feedback before yeah. you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. And I overcame it by by starting it myself and, and doing it slowly and yep, checking small. in with, with real farmers. Yeah, and, yeah start small. Sounds like this one's going in the right direction. So I think so. Yay. So what do you consider your biggest success? Thanks. I think my biggest success was when I was 29. I lived in Brooklyn, um, New York, and I co-founded this neighborhood organization that was geared towards fighting this rezoning that was happening to our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we didn't actually win. So it's strange I would consider it a success. But we apparently we did help get more affordable housing built into the plan mm-hmm. that they, they finally went through with the rezoning. But uh, but it was it was just a I think it was a success because it was me and all my friends following our hearts and, yeah. and doing something we believed in against like 
all odds. And uh-huh. it was so it was just thrilling. And we worked with so many different communities and through these parties and just had we, we ended up with like 300 community residents from all backgrounds at City Hall testifying, wearing these red headbands because we were called the Williamsburg Warriors. The uh-huh. neighborhood was called Williamsburg. <laughs> and and they just testified through the night and just like kept City Hall people just yawning. And um, <laughs> and like Jane Jacobs, the, the late like famous city planner who oh, had yeah. fought off a major highway in New York City. She even wrote a letter of support for us to the New York wow. Times. and. It was just, we got, yeah, it was so exciting. It was just such an exciting time of like people coming together from all backgrounds and it was so beautiful. Um, so I, I feel like that was my greatest success. Even if we didn't win, it was, <laughs> it was a time in my life that I feel empowered by. Uh, that's a, I was going to say, that's a good way of putting it empowered by good for you. So what drives you? Activism drives me. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm driven to make the world be what it can be, uh, mm. be, a, be a part of something better. Mm-hmm. I think with this with this app and, and finally getting down to, when I started the World Food Garden Project, my father was like, you need to make this financially sustainable. And I was like, dad, it's all about sustainability. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> clue, kind of clueless and, and big ideas. And now I'm, I'm starting a real business. And I think, I think it's because it's hard to make, it's hard to do things in this world without causing harm. Mm. And I want to do something that, that helps that, that cause minimizes harm and does yeah. more helping. And so I think connecting farmers and helping facilitate more people sharing information of growing their own food is, is something I want to assist with. Yeah, Wonderful. So I'm all about education and I have to know, is there a book that's been influential for you in this process? Yeah, I think Gaia's Garden, that was my first gardening book, my first permaculture book. And mm-hmm. I was reading it when I was living in Brooklyn, and I just had a teeny little backyard. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was so inspiring. And actually, I think it was it was partially influential in why we started that community organization, because I learned about the edge effect. The concepts oh, yes. in permaculture are, are so much more than just gardens. Yep. And, and I felt like our, communi- our community was like, super multicultural and so much art and so much music coming out of it at that time and so much positive creativity. I I felt that we were in the edge effect. So I remember Mm -hmm. reading that book and thinking like, we have to preserve this diversity. And yeah, so I I think, yeah, that, that garden, I mean, that book has had an influence on my, on my outlook in the world. So how do you feel about explaining the edge effect? Well, from, from, from my understanding, it's mm-hmm. it's when two things come together, like a forest and a field, or yep. a creek, the edge of the creek water, or or in our in the neighborhood's case, it was like Hasidic Jews, Italians, Polish people, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, mm. and what would soon be called hipsters, <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah, so it was there. I feel like it's anytime there's two cultures or two large things that come together, then there's, there's this edge where something new is created. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Beautifully said. And it's, there's Good more job. vitality, more vitality there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank Good you. Good job. Yes, you bet. <laughs> so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I feel like I've done so many things in my life and perhaps mastered none. So I don't know if I can stand on any kind of, pulpit and give advice but whenever I give advice to myself it's usually like quiet the mind and listen to the heart Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> That's pretty good. I would put that in the classification Thanks. of epic. Because it, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good job. Well, thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Eve. It has been a treat to getting to chat with you. Thank you. you thank you so much for this opportunity. So how can our listeners get a hold of you, find you, find Farm Follow, you know, like that? Well, the Farm Follow app can be downloaded in iTunes, um, like on, on your apps, on your phone mm -hmm. or Google Play. And or you can just go to the website, farmfollow.com, and the links to download it are there. Perfect. And I, you can contact me through there as well. Perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash farm follow. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.